Well, hello, everyone. It's been a little while, but welcome to Closest Mic Drop, our 2021 Broncos NFL draft version here. And what a draft it was for George Payton and your Denver Broncos. I sat down with uh, George Payton, and you're going to listen to our interview that we had with uh, George Payton here in a little bit. We have three big interviews for you. Let's get to that real quick. We have one with uh, Pat Sertan. Uh, Sir Tan is how you uh, pronounce it, T-A-N, as in uh, uh, get a tan from outside, and uh, uh, Pat rather than Patrick, so uh, we'll call him Pat Sir Tan. He was the pick at number nine overall. A lot of people thought that the Broncos should have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones there. Uh, they did uh, think long and hard about taking Justin Fields, the dual-threat quarterback from Ohio State. Ultimately, uh, the Broncos had Sertan rated higher. Sertan uh, was a better defensive player than they thought Fields was a uh, Ohio State player. Um, we'll see. Um, Fields went two spots later, number 11 to the Chicago Bears. Mac Jones went six spots later from the Broncos pick at number 15 to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And so I think by years out, we'll see both of those quarterbacks. Uh, and then in 2022, you're going to see Fields be the uh, season opening starter for the Bears and Mac Jones the season opening starter uh, for, the, for the Patriots. So um, we'll see. George Payton, I thought it was a textbook scouts uh, uh, stick to the board type of draft. And that's why you wound up with so many cornerbacks when they already hap happen to have some cornerbacks. They went back-to-back -back with safeties in the, uh, in the uh, fifth round. You know, not only did they get Sertan in the draft after they had already signed Ronald Darby to a three-year $30 million contract, $10 million this year, Kyle Fuller to a one-year $9.5 million contract this year. You know, they also had Ojemudia. Uh, saying uh, Bassey, it looks like uh, he, from that knee injury, he's not going to be ready uh, the first part of the season. Um, but still, they had plenty of uh, uh, Bryce Callahan. They're paying $7 million, almost $7 million this year. be interesting to see if they uh, hold on to him. Um, I think his roster spot might be invulnerable, if not soon, uh, maybe uh, you know before they uh, set their roster. Uh, prior to the opening of the regular season in September. Um, the schedule, I believe, uh, comes out uh, not this week, but next week. Is that right? I can't. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look that up. But uh, NFL, uh, uh, but it's um, it's 17 games this year. Rather, it's May 12th. So we still got uh, we still got 10 days before they release the schedule. Uh, later than normal than they usually do. Um, I, the, the three people we will talk to are Pat Sertan, Vic Fangio, and George Payton. All about the draft. Let's go through the draft right now uh, with number nine. It was Patrick Sertan, cornerback from Alabama. Uh, he was the Broncos' number one defensive player on the board. Um, not sure if they would have taken Trey Lance had he been available. Uh, I still think they would have taken Sertan. It was the safest, cleanest, um, you know, it, it's the guy that's going, that's for sure going to be a good football player 
uh, for the Broncos of those available. Justin Fields is not for sure. He's either going to be a real good quarterback. You know, the way it works in the NFL, there's five of them. Um, at least two of them aren't going to make it. At least two of them will be busts from the group of Trevor Lawrence, who went one to uh, uh, Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, who went two to the New York Jets. Trey Lance, who went three to the 49ers. Fields, who went four to the Bears. Five, Mac Jones to the Patriots. At least two of those five uh, won't make it. That's just the way it, it uh, that's the way the percentages work in the NFL. In the second round, nice pick. The Broncos had the 40th overall pick. They traded up five spots to number 35. They gave up a fourth round draft pick to do it. They got a six rounder back and took Javante Williams. You're going to hear that Nick Shirali, the uh, uh, one of the pros, uh, one of the uh, big national scouts for the Broncos. Um, that was his favorite player. George Payton is going to talk about how that Javante Williams was his favorite player. He breaks tackles. He's a strong running back. Um, that's why the Broncos went him. He'll be the 1B back to Melvin Gordon to start the season. By season's end, who knows? Uh, Javante Williams with the younger legs could very well be the Broncos starting a running back. In the third round, interesting pick. Uh, the Broncos traded back a couple times from 71 to 76, and then with their 76, they went back and got uh, number 98 and 105 in the third round. At 98, they got Quinn uh, Miners, Miners um, a center, really a center from Wisconsin, Whitewater, can play guard. He's uh, 6'3", 320. Uh, a couple of years ago in 2019, when he was at Wisconsin, Whitewater, he was 340. Peyton talked about how he had a neck roll. Uh, he lost 20 pounds during the pandemic. He went the other way, and uh, he uh, dominated at the Senior Bowl. Some had him ranked as the number one center in this draft, so for the Broncos to get him uh, late in the third, they did well. I think he redshirts for a year. We'll see. Um, he also, I, I, I do think they want him to uh, push Lloyd Cushenberry, who even though he, he made every snap, didn't take every snap. He made every snap uh, last year for the Broncos. He struggled in pass protection. Um, Miners may uh, may compete for that spot on down the road. And then their last pick in the third round, Baron Browning, an inside linebacker, athletic. Uh, the you know Fangio's been looking for a guy who can range from sideline to sideline, uh, cover the tight end and backs out of the backfield. Uh, there's a chance that he'll play in nickel situations as a rookie. I, I don't see him starting. I do see him playing in nickel situations sooner rather than later. No fourth round pick to start day three. And then in the fifth round on Saturday, they go back to back with safeties. Uh, Caden Stearns of Texas, Jamar Johnson of Indiana. Stearns uh, had a fantastic freshman year and then fell off a little bit after that. He had some uh, injury concerns, and then he opted out after uh, about six or seven games uh, last year. Jamar Johnson, after they took Stearns, which they needed, they needed a backup safety because they don't have one uh, to, you know, Justin Simmons. Well, they don't have one with experience. Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Kareem is 33. Um, behind them are Trey Marshall, who's barely played, and P.J. Locke who hasn't played at the safety position. So Stearns would have a shot there if he's healthy. And then later, 12 picks later, when the Broncos looked at the board, the board was really picked over. 
the guys they really liked. There was a big separation between Jamar Johnson and the next guy they had on their board. Johnson is also a safety, so they took him, even though, again, they were stacked at defensive back and stacked now at safeties. In the sixth round, they took uh, Seth Williams, uh, a tall, big-bodied, red-zone-type receiver from Auburn. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate him playing much this year with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Tim Patrick right now is fourth. Deshaun Hamilton, I think the Broncos will try to trade him uh, before um, training camp, but right now he's looking at uh, not even number five because they really like Tyree Cleveland, a rookie last year who came on, and I would say Tyree Cleveland is the uh, fifth receiver. So the Broncos will try to trade uh, Deshaun Hamilton and the $2.3 million salary he is uh, supposed to make this year. Otherwise, Deshaun... Um, is going to have a tough time making the roster, I think. Um, maybe if someone sprains an ankle and in ready to go, he'll be in there. Uh, but uh, Deshaun Hamilton is uh, kind of vulnerable right now for his roster spot. So Seth Williams could maybe fit in there as the sixth uh, type receiver. Then in the seventh round, the Broncos get another really good slot corner. So again, uh, you know, they, they go back where they're stacked in corners, um, and they take uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. out of LSU. Very quick. He's a small, smaller guy, like 5'9", 180, uh, but very quick, very athletic. He opted out uh, last year, one reason why I think he might have fell to the seventh round. But Kerry Vincent's got a chance to play slot for this team in, in sub uh, packages, at least by the end of the season. Uh, then they take Jonathan Cooper, outside linebacker from Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State played a 3-4, but they, they don't really play in space a whole lot. They, they, they kind of check the run. Um, uh, the, uh, Cooper does have a chance, a tremendous guy. Uh, you know, all the media in Denver was really impressed by him during his Zoom interview. Has uh, a little bit of a, a, a heart condition, nothing major, uh, but he's been uh, playing through it uh, successfully all his life. It has not been a a factor for him at any point during his life. And then with their final pick in the seventh round, they take Marquis Spencer, a defensive end out of Mississippi State. and He'll be a project, but they think uh, as a 3-4 defensive end, Marquis Spencer can develop into a nice uh, in, into a nice defensive lineman. So that was the Broncos draft, and uh, we will uh, uh, go over uh, We'll, we'll go over the team itself. We'll go over the undrafted uh, rookies that they signed uh, at the end of the draft. They signed uh, uh, 11 players at the end of the draft and uh, undrafted. Uh, might, might have a, a 12th coming soon. But first, we are going to talk to Pat Sertan, the new Broncos cornerback, the new Broncos star. He'll get a $12.6 million signing bonus with his four-year contract. He will play cornerback, and uh, I don't know if he'll start day one, but he'll start sooner rather than later. And then we'll, uh, after we talk to Pat Sertan, uh, we'll talk with uh, George Payton and Vic Fangio. So stay tuned. Um, here is um, the conversation I had. It would have been Friday afternoon with Broncos' new first-round pick and cornerback, uh, Pat Sertan.
ask you about your dad. Anybody ask you about your mom yet today? Um, you know, not yet. Um, they should though. <laughs> yeah, right, huh? Are you a mama's boy or a daddy's or a daddy's guy? Um, you know, I was sort of a mama's boy growing up, so I'd probably say mama's boy. <laughs> okay. Now now for dad, tell us what it was like growing up with a really good NFL player who was really known around Miami, especially where you grew up, and then uh, also for the Chiefs. What was that like? Uh, I guess every time you go out to a restaurant, you're in the spotlight, right? Yeah, you know, it was a tremendous feeling being able to, you know, experience, it, experience that in his playing days, you know, just going back to when he was playing with the Dolphins and the Chiefs. It's, it was sort of a, you know, lifetime, you know, moment for me and my family just watching him play. And I can just remember my earliest moments uh, watching him, you know, make plays, uh, score touchdowns, pick sixes, all that. So, you know, it was those moments was some of my fondest moments. Let's try to put yourself 20 years from now. You're done playing and you're looking back. What are one or two things that your dad uh, taught you as you were growing up that uh, is going to stick with you throughout the, the rest of your life, uh, not only as a football player, but as a man? Yeah, um, you know, just some things he taught me was, you know, just stay the course, um, you know, always be humble, always give back to the community no matter what. And, um, you know, he just taught me whenever, at the end of the day, just, you know, stay focused, be you, be the best version of yourself, and, you know, just always be an inspiration to others. You know, that's what he told me. What was it like playing for Nick Saban? You know, he doesn't look quite as mean as he used to uh, on the sideline. <laughs> what would you say uh, it was like playing for him? Yeah, it was tremendous uh, playing with Coach Saban. Uh, just learning from an all-time great coach each and every day. Uh, it helped shape me to become the best player I am today. And, you know, just taking the, uh, taking the uh, endpoints from him, uh, learning some tips and things from him, I think it helped a lot to uh, shape me for the next level. When you were coming out of high school, I'm sure you had a chance to play for some major programs uh, that would have had the challenge of trying to knock off Alabama or going to Alabama, which just is a football powerhouse, and they're in the Final Four at the very least every year, if not the championship game every year. Why did you pick Alabama? Yeah, I just chose Alabama for many reasons. I just felt like I could be the best player and the best person there, um, you know, develop off-the-field relationships there, but also, you know, just – when it's all said and done, when I go to the next level, I could be the best football player I could be. And, you know, through my times there, I can honestly say, you know, it helped shape me up to be, you know, just being within the program, uh, staying focused, uh, being with my teammates, being with the tremendous coaching staff that they had there. And, you know, it was just an all-around great college uh, experience. You, you know, you must be a heck of a player because the Broncos, uh, their cornerback room was stacked before they drafted you. Um, did you look at that as you were drafted by the Broncos? Because uh, a lot of people were surprised by your pick, not because of you, but because they had so many other cornerbacks after signing Darby and Fuller in free agency. Yeah, you know, it was it was a sort of a, you know, I was at the same time, you know, you just got to be was happy. I understand that, um, you know, the team's going, whatever team needs you, um, you just got to be satisfied with it at the end of the day. And I'm just glad the Broncos called me. And you know, I'm just ready to be a part of a great organization. You were pretty much an outside shutdown corner with Alabama. Can you play inside? Uh, you might have to your rookie year. 
Um, yeah, I could play inside for sure. Um, you know, I've been playing that. I've been playing the inside position uh, sophomore year, the nickel position. Um, I'm a very versatile player as well. So, you know, whatever they need me at, I think I could fit well. What do you know about the Broncos? I just know about their, um, you know, their past, you know, their experience, you know, their tremendous organization uh, with great players uh, built off of championship mentality. Um, you know, I'm just looking to build on that. Yeah, it, it used to be. It hasn't been lately. So hopefully you'll help uh, get them back on the right track. Let's talk. I, I asked you in the, uh, the big press conference today about the no-fly zone. Uh, why don't you tell us what you remember about that team? Um, yeah, it was a great team. Um, of course, they won a Super Bowl that year. Um, you know, they had an all-around great defense, uh, you know, with Tlaib, um, you know, Chris Harris, all those guys, Von Miller. Uh, you know, it was an all-around great defense and a great team, of course. Um, and, you know, just going back to that team, I just think, think uh, going back to it, that we could build a team like that in the upcoming years. Pat, welcome to town, and thank you very much for spending a couple minutes with us. Thank you. Okay, welcome back to uh, Clissa's Mic Drop. Our next conversation, hope you enjoyed that chat we had with Pat Sertan. You can kind of tell with his dad uh, having played in the NFL, Pat Sertan has been around the limelight. Uh, he doesn't necessarily relish it or crave it, but he's um, not uncomfortable uh, when he's in it. Uh, he's been, he's seen it and kind of lived in it uh, most of his life. He was nine years old when his dad played is the last game, or almost nine years old. Uh, by the way, wrote a story about him and his parents at uh, ninenews.com. Invite all of you people to check out that story. Um, uh, Pat Sertan, a mama's boy. Uh, <laughs> never mind dad. Uh, he says that uh, mom was the one that was there the most. Uh, as you can imagine, it's, it's usually true for, for most of us. Um, next, we're going to speak with George Payton. I tell you what, when George was done with that draft and he was done with the media session. He visited with Nine News and he sat down in the chair and he was exhausted. This, this is a guy who's, who's very intense, very focused, concentrated. And uh, he really uh, prepped, maybe even over, I, I wouldn't say he over prepped, but he was fully prepped for this draft. Then uh, he made the difficult decision on uh, day one to go with Sertan instead of the quarterbacks. Uh, meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers' rumor is flying around there. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, <clears throat> but I don't think Green Bay is going to wind up uh, trading him. I don't know. Uh, maybe it gets so ugly they can't work it out. But I don't think Green Bay, at the end of the day, is going to trade Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, but uh, George Payton, I thought, had a, a, a pretty good draft. It's one of those drafts that may look better five years from now than it does today because there's emotion, a rea emotional reaction today to the team not taking a quarterback and still having Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as their, um, as their quarterbacks, which if, if Drew Locke came, comes on as they hope, um, I think is going to work out fine. Um, but they're still going to be ranked fourth going into the season against in the AFC West against uh, the Chiefs' Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Chargers' Justin Herbert, and the Raiders, uh, Derek Carr. So 
Uh, here's my conversation that I had with George Payton, and I uh, hope you enjoy it, and we'll come back and talk to Vic, Vic Fangio on the other side. Congratulations on your first draft. If I may, that was a textbook uh, stick to the board draft. Yeah, it was. We did stick to our board, and uh, you know we had we moved up, we moved down a little bit. It, it uh, fell our way sometimes. Sometimes it didn't, which is typical in a draft. But we feel really you know good with the players we acquired. In your experience, because you you know people are going to talk about all the secondary guys you got. You got a million cornerbacks. You kept going safeties there for a while. Um, it, it, in your experience, when you draft for need, is that where you get a, you know get in trouble? You do get in trouble if you reach for need because you're you know a lot of times you're gonna have to replace that player in a year or two anyway. So let's just take the best player uh, that can make your team and, and produce with your team, and he'll be here for a while. So that's that's our philosophy. You know we're gonna try to take the best player within reason. Four years from now, this could be uh, judged as a A minus A B plus draft. But you know what people are going to be talking about? Uh, 95% of the talk on Monday is going to be about? I do, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what, what, what about the quarterback? Go ahead. And yeah, I, feel, I feel really good about our quarterback room. You know, we brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who's going to bring in great competition. I think he's going to help Drew. I think they'll, they'll help each other. They'll compete. Uh, Teddy will bring some professional, you know, a pro and experience into the, into, uh, the quarterback room. And I think they'll help each other, and I think they'll, we'll be better because of it. You tried to keep things quiet, but you know in the NFL that's not how it works. How do you think Drew is going to handle it, knowing that there was all this talk all this offseason? You know, Matthew Stafford, Bridgewater was out there for a while. Aaron Rodgers more recently. Deshaun Watson was out there. How do you think he's going to be mentally as far as dealing with his teammates and trying to lead? I think he's very tough mentally. You know, I've had a number of conversations with Drew. I talked to Drew before he traded for Teddy. He embraces it. I told him the you know the first day I met him we're going to bring in competition, and he's all for it. I mean he's a competitor, uh, he's working his butt off, and like I said he embraces competition. Aaron Rodgers came out a couple hours before the draft. What what did you do then? Did you make a call? Did you said to talk with John Elway? What did you do? You know we were so focused on the draft. You know we're about to pick in an hour or two, and we're trying to figure out that. Obviously we we heard the news, um, but you know we were focused on the draft. The, uh, this draft, I think, it's funny, for three and a half months, everybody hyped and talked and discussed about the first round pick. And then day two comes when you're still going to get a couple more starters and there's about two hours of talk. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell us about the, the uh, let's go through the first two. Sertan is really the key to the draft and then Javante Williams. Yeah, Javante Williams, we just thought he was a special player. I mean, we our, our uh, national scout, Nick Sorelli, who does an outstanding job. Uh, he, he gets to know these players inside and out, and this was his favorite player in the draft. Maybe not you know, not a top 10 pick, but his most favorite player, just watching. And uh, he's a three down back, you know, he's really powerful. Uh, he has speed to take it to the distance. Um, the thing about him, he's really hard to tackle. If you watch him, you know, he, he, they have a hard time tackling him because he's so physical, he's built low to ground, he breaks tons of tackles, he's elusive in the open field. And, the, and he can pass protect. He can catch the ball to the backfield. So we feel he's a three-down back. He's going to add to the room. 
you know, I'll keep talking about competition, but we wanted comp more competition in the running back room. And, you know, with Melvin and with Javante and Mike Boone, I think we're going to have as good of a crew as any, you know, in the league. And Sertan, how, how is he going to be used year one? Because you, you gave decent money to Darby, $10 million, yeah. and uh, nine and a half to Fuller. Callahan's on the books for seven. I, usually you only play three. Well, that's Vic's job, right? Vic has a vision, and uh, you know you always need more than three corners. You know, three play what eighty percent of the time. But Vic has a vision for him. You know, we, we think he's going to be a great player. You know, we don't know how much he's going to play this year, but I assume he's going to have a, a significant role. I, I correct me if I'm wrong on this, but in your division, you have so many great quarterbacks opposing great quarterbacks, and there's there's two ways you can go about it. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're probably not going to find a Patrick Mahomes again very easily, right. maybe for the next 20 years. <laughs> uh, but you kind of took the attitude of stopping Patrick Mahomes or, or Derek Carr or Justin Herbert. It, yeah. Do I have that right a little bit? Yeah, and, I mean, you have to know what you have to know your division, you know, and what you're up against. And we didn't do a, a very good job of stopping him, you know, in previous years. So we don't. I don't. I don't know if we'll be able to stop him, but we'd like to contain him and at the same time improve our offense. You know, we, we don't want to get in shootouts, right, with, with Kansas City and, and uh, you know, maybe the Chargers, but uh, we want to play good defense. You know, Vic is, you know, the, one of the best defensive minds in football. So let's, uh, let's give him enough pieces uh, to turn this, you know, into a, one of the top defenses in the league. When people give you grades uh, one day after the draft, it must drive you crazy. I always say the only grade can be incomplete. Right. Uh, but how do you think he did overall? You know, I think we did a nice job uh, bringing in good quality football players, high character. I think we improved a lot of positions. I think we're a better football team. To what extent, we'll just have to let you know let it play out. George, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, appreciate it. Welcome back to Clutch's Mic Drop. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with George Payton. Pretty revealing, I thought, uh, that he said, uh, you know, last year with the Broncos, it was all about trying to score 30 points a game so they could keep up with the Chiefs. The only teams that had beaten the Chiefs had scored at least 30 points. I think that still might be true, by the way. But uh, so last year in the offseason, they got Melvin Gordon. Their, uh, that and, and their other top free agent was Graham Glasgow, a right guard. So all their money was spent on the offensive side. Then in the drafts, you know what they do? They, they get two receivers, Jerry Judy in the first round, K.J. Hamler in the second round. In the third round, they get Lloyd Cushenberry, a starting center. In the fourth round, they get uh, Albert O, a tight end who's kind of like uh, Noah Fant. They're going to double up on the tight ends. Uh, and then they wind up with Tyree Cleveland in the sixth round. So it was all about offense and, and scoring uh, 20, trying to uh, score 30 points a game six or seven times in a 16-game in a season. That didn't work out. They still haven't beat the Kansas City Chiefs in 11 straight games going back to 2015. And, and by the way, it should have been longer than that, but uh, uh, Peyton had that game-tying uh, two-minute drive, and then Jamal Charles fumbled. Uh, was forced out by Brandon Marshall, and Brad Bradley Roby had that scoop and score. Uh, the Broncos scored two touchdowns in a couple of seconds and won that game 31-24. to Last time they beat them, 
the first game of their losing streak, uh, Peyton Manning threw four interceptions. I think it was five out of 20. We're one of the worst games of his career. He was hurt. He was benched right after that game in favor of Brock Osweiler. And uh, Man Manning didn't get back on the field until the very last game of the regular season when he came off the bench in the third quarter. So uh, uh, we told you um, George Payton didn't want to try to have the uh, didn't want to try to have shootouts with the Kansas City Chiefs. He wants to contain them a little more. So now he's got all these cornerbacks that he's added. He solidified his, his defensive front, re-signing Vaughn Miller, the big move there. Uh, Shamar uh, uh, Stefan, a defensive uh, tackle, nose tackle type, uh, will add a little thump uh, in the interior of the defensive line. They bring back Kareem Jackson, who plays well in the box. Uh, maybe not in space anymore, but in the box. And then they, of course, really solidified their cornerback position, uh, adding three uh, top-notch, uh, number one type cornerbacks, and then you got Bryce Callahan coming back from his foot injury. So it was about defense for the Broncos this year, which helps Vic Fangio, the head coach, and also uh, the, the, the really the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. He calls all the plays. Uh, Fangio uh, was in the discussions all along. He liked Sertan. He liked all these defensive backs. We had a chance to talk to uh, Vic Fangio, and uh, we're going to let you uh, listen to this uh, interview with Vic Fangio right now, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side. Uh, but Vic Fangio, he talked about the quarterback position, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, and I think you'll uh, uh, enjoy the conversation. Um, uh, Vic, and, uh, Vic and George, too, so far, uh, always um, – a little more relaxed, and I think, uh, when they're in a one-on-one -on -one setting uh, with me versus when they've got the whole group out there, and uh, a little more forthcoming uh, and candid in their in their answers. So, hope you enjoy this interview that I had with Vic Fangio right after the draft, and then we'll be right back to wrap up uh, Cliss's mic drop after you hear this conversation with Vic Fangio. Coach, great draft, but where's Aaron Rodgers? Who? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> How about your quarter? You know, this is the thing. Sertan, great cornerback. Uh, Javante Williams, impressive running back. But I was telling George, you know what everyone's going to be talking about on talk radio on Monday morning? You know. Yeah. What about your quarterback position? Well, we're happy with it. You know, I think Drew's had a hell of an offseason up to this point, albeit we haven't hit the field. But you can get better this time of year in February and March and April, studying yourself on, yourself on cut-up tapes, going back, getting retaught on all the little things without the stress of having to go play a game. And I think Drew's going to look good here in the offseason when we finally do hit the field. And I've been an admirer of Teddy Bridgewater for many years. You know, I coached against him when he was in Minnesota prior to his injury. Saw him last year when we played, so prepared for him for a week there. And Teddy's a good football player, good quarterback. And um, he's got uh, deceptive scramble ability. 
He's got really good pocket feel. He's got great leadership qualities. I think he's an accurate passer. Processes very well, so we're happy. How do you start it? Um, OTAs, let's say everybody's back and uh, you know the union allows every uh, you know your team back and everything. Um, Drew gets the first rep and Teddy's the backup. You change up every day. How are you going to work that? We'll work that out. We haven't actually sat down and figured that out. Um, but it will be something that at the end of the day, maybe not at the end of every day, but over the course of the body of work, OTAs and training camp, that it will be 50-50 pretty much. And do you anticipate, where, where is it with the players on the OTAs, by the way? I'm under the impression that uh, we'll have them. Um, I spoke to Brandon and uh, Justin before phase one started, you know, about a week before, and um, they told me what they and the players were looking for, and what transpired is actually what they were looking for, you know, to have the first phase, the first four weeks, be virtual, and and then a one one week phase two where we can have a ramp up period on the field, and then the OTA sessions with a, the mini camp at the end. So. I'm under the impression that that's what everybody wanted from the player side of it. So I'm anticipating it to be pretty normal. But as we all know, it is voluntary. This draft, if there was a surprise to it, it was all the secondary guys you got. You know, you, especially when you followed up free agency with two big purchases. And then you go, uh, you, you triple up with, with Sertan. Just talk about, uh, you know, your philosophy there and what you think about it as a defensive guy. Well, obviously, in free agency, um, we wanted to upgrade the corner position, and we uh, signed Darby. And then late in the process, Kyle Fuller became available. And so we did that. You know, we weren't planning on that. And then Patrick, we felt, was one of the top defensive players, top players in the draft at any position. And then today's draft, day three of the draft, the board kind of talked us in the drafting the secondary players that we signed, that we drafted, four of them. You know, it was, so it was more of the, you know, there was big separation between the guys we drafted, those four secondary guys, when we picked them and what was next. And George's philosophy, and he stuck to it, was to draft the best player. Your team, um, even though it, it I, I think depth was, was a, definitely an issue, and that uh, came to the forefront last year when the injuries, it was difficult. But you, it seemed like you got your starters in place. This draft, a, lar a large part, you've got a bunch of good players who are going to play more in year two and three than they are as rookies because of all the starters you got in place? Well, they have a license and a permit to come in and win a job, that's for sure. Competition is a good thing. And it's also a good thing to bring young players along that uh, can become starters in year two, year three, and along the way make strong contributions in certain packages on both sides of the ball, in special teams. And so they're ready to go when their, their opportunity comes. This is a tough one. Uh, Chiefs have beaten this team 11 straight times going back to uh, the first time they played in their Super Bowl year, 2015. You, you haven't been here for most of those, but do you think you're more, com you know, more competitive, better equipped to take on Mahomes now than you were, you know, let's say uh, two months ago? Well, definitely. 
uh, better equipped to uh, do that than two months ago, for sure. We've added a bunch of secondary players. Um, our off, our young offense is going to be a year further along in experience and being developed. It's the first time here in two or three years um, that there's been carryover in the offensive system. We have um, a young quarterback in Drew that if he ends up winning the job that we think this will be the year he really comes alive. And if not, if, if Teddy wins the job, we have a veteran quarterback there. So, to, you know, we I do think we're closer. We'll see what happens when we do play him. All right, Coach. Thanks a lot. Congratulations. All right, thank you. All right. Boy, it might be the best uh, Clissers mic drop uh, yet as we talk to Patrick Sertan, George Payton, and Vic Fangio. Not to, There's a lot of podcasts out there. I'm not sure uh, you're going to listen to any. They had those three on their podcast this week anyway. So, uh, and thank you to uh, those three gentlemen uh, for joining Clissers mic drop. Uh, and I invite you to go to 9news.com. A lot of stories on there. Uh, a lot of the TV interviews on there, and um, quite the draft for the Broncos. I do think, let's not just uh, dwell on the on the draft, but overall, uh, going back, uh, including free agency and the draft, I think the Broncos are um, a better team and, and going to be a better team this year. The keys, um, I'll give you the four keys to this season. One is obvious. Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater play better than what they got from the quarterback position last year. Drew Locke was 32nd in the league. He has a second year in uh, uh, Pat Shermer's offensive system. Uh, he has a third year as an NFL quarterback. He was, uh, he was too turnover prone last year. He's a risk taker. I think by season's end again, he started playing better. Look at his stats the last four games last year, starting with this tremendous game against Teddy Bridgewater's Carolina Panthers. In that game, Locke threw four touchdowns against no interceptions, 280 yards, completed 21 out of 27. He had a passer rating of just shy, a tick shy of 150, which was a career best for him. Bridgewater, he was behind most of the game. Uh, he took some sacks. Uh, he was sacked four times. Didn't throw a pick, didn't throw an interception. I thought, I think he threw for 283 yards, 30 out of 40. He just fought way more conservative uh, uh, and dumps off uh, much more than Drew Locke. But maybe that's what this team needs with its, uh, its young receivers. It just needs a mature, steady Eddie uh, type of quarterback. I think that's what the Broncos were thinking when they acquired him, Shermer and, uh, and Fangio and George Payton. They don't go for the rookie quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And um, there's a chance, uh, I think the Broncos, there is a chance uh, that if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, the Broncos will be in on trade discussions uh, with the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. I really believe that. And uh, there's noise that uh, Aaron Rodgers would prefer the Broncos. His, his fiance has some sort of connections to Boulder. Uh, you know, the, the internet uh, went wild with uh, he would, uh, the uh, Rogers and his uh, fiance were spotted in Boulder the last couple of weeks. There's another uh, uh, report that um, his fiance 
who is an actress, um, has uh, lives at least part-time in the Boulder area. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, right now, the Packers aren't trading them. There's been no trade talks. Uh, I do think the Broncos have reached out uh, from uh, time to time uh, to see about Rodgers' availability, as so many teams have. And every time the Packers have said he's not available. So until that happens, don't plan on uh, Aaron Rodgers. I, I think this Rodgers uh, saga is going to carry on for a while until it is, uh, until it is resolved. And, uh, you know, I, I just think Deshaun Watson tried to do this before he uh, took on, uh, you know, Houston management was the least of his problems. Russell Wilson expressed uh, <clears throat> uh, complaints about management. Uh, didn't have a good enough offensive line the last couple of years, and now Aaron Rodgers doesn't like management. I tell you what, I think it's just a bad trend going on with these NFL uh, quarterbacks. I think this, um, you know, it used to be receivers were the divas. Uh, now the quarterbacks, who get all the money by leaps and bounds, they're the, they're the highest paid by far, and they're the ones complaining. I just think they're, um, I don't know, I just think... Uh, their egos are uh, runneth over. We'll see what happens with all these situations. Wilson's coming back, uh, uh, going back to Seattle. He's not leaving. Deshaun Watson uh, may not play this year because of his uh, the sexual assault allegations against him. Uh, uh, there's been new, a lot of numbers out there, but the one that you often hear is that there's is uh, 22 sexual uh, assault allegations uh, against him. I'm not sure where that is in court right now, but uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, because of NFL uh, personal conduct policy, and he just uh, he might have uh, he might not be on the field is the is the belief now by many GMs uh, this year. So um, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater have to lead uh, an, an otherwise improved team. The other keys to this team are Von Health. Von Miller has to return healthy. He uh, tore up his ankle, tore up an ankle uh, tendon uh, or ligament right at uh, right at, in, in, uh, in the um, practice preceding the first game of the season. He didn't play one down last year. Uh, Cortland Sutton missed the first game because of a shoulder injury. Because of the shoulder injury, he, uh, he dropped a pass in the second game, and then he got mad that he dropped a pass, and he tore up his ACL trying to tackle the uh, would be the the interception the guy who got the interception in Pittsburgh, so Cortland Sutton only gave the Broncos one half a play, call it all season for him, and then Jawan James at right tackle, they got ten million into him this year, and uh, he's basically missed uh, two seasons. Uh, his first season with the Broncos, uh, when he made seventeen million, he played uh, uh, he didn't finish uh, the he didn't make it to the second half of any of the three games he played in. So he didn't give him anything two years ago, and then last year he opted out because of the virus uh, pandemic. So the keys are quarterback, Von Miller, Cortland Sutton, and Jawan James. Uh, uh, you know, better play from Bridgewater and from Locke, uh, a return to health. And not only a return to health, it's one thing to be healthy enough to get back on the field. It's another thing to be healthy enough to get back on the field and play like the old Von Miller and play like the old uh, Cortland Sutton. You want Sutton to play like he did in 2019. You want Miller to play like he did in 2018. If you remember, Vaughn only had eight and a half sacks in 2019. So 
uh, at 19 million. Uh, a little surprised <clears throat> that the Broncos uh, uh, went ahead and paid him. Uh, Vaughn told him uh, he would not take a pay cut, and so he's back for 19 million. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, only seven million, by the way, right now is guaranteed. Plus, he gets 500,000 for a workout bonus, so he's guaranteed to make seven and a half million uh, for right now. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos go back and try to revisit that contract somehow, some way. But welcome uh, to uh, to the Broncos, Pat Sertan. Uh, Javante Williams is going to help at running back. Uh, you've got um, uh, Quinn Miners, who's going to give the Broncos a lot of depth at center to the point uh, I think he's really going to compete against Lloyd Cushenberry before the season is out. Baron Browning, inside linebacker. You're going to see him, I think, in sub-packages this year. Then you have a couple of safeties that are going to be broken in uh, to back up Kareem Jackson. This is the final year with the Broncos for Kareem Jackson. He, he took a pay cut from $10 million to $5 million. He's 33 years old. <clears throat> the Broncos were prepared to move on without him. They worked it out to bring him back. But Caden Stearns from Texas, Jamar Johnson from Indiana, I think are going to get some playing time as a third safety uh, this year. And then uh, Seth Williams, a big body receiver from Auburn, he gives them depth uh, at the receiver position. Kerry Vincent, slot corner from LSU. Tell you what, by the end of the season, you might see a lot of Kerry Vincent playing the slot. Jonathan Cooper, uh, I would imagine is going to redshirt for the most part this year at outside linebacker, but there's not a whole lot of depth there. Uh, Malik Reed is the backup, and then Derek Tuska and Jonathan Cooper are going to be the backup uh, outside linebackers, um, along with um, an undrafted uh, rookie that they signed, Andrew An Andre Mintz, uh, outside linebacker from Vanderbilt, an edge rusher. The Broncos will try to bring him along also. The Broncos also among those undrafted, Nolan Laufenberg, a left guard from Air Force, Warren Jackson, a receiver from Colorado State. Adam Prentice was a fullback at Colorado State, graduated from school, and then uh, transferred to South Carolina. He was actually drafted or, or signed out of South Carolina. Told you about Andre Mintz. Uh, Devontre Stukes, a receiver from South Florida, also an undrafted rookie. David Curry and Curtis Robinson, inside linebackers. Uh, Curtis Robinson from Stanford. Uh, Drew Himmelman, interesting offensive tackles. He's six foot nine from Illinois State. Uh, Mac McCain, uh, another real good cornerback from North Carolina A&T. Smaller guy, but again a slot guy. Um, he's got a chance really to compete with Vincent of LSU for slot position. Sean Beyer, a tight end, a blocking tight end out of Iowa. They needed one of those. Brandon Mack, a receiver for him. Temple. He'll have the odds uh, cut out for him. He and Warren Jackson and Devontre Stukes. Uh, you need extra receivers in camp because you're going to have four quarterbacks. They don't have a fourth quarterback, right? Well, they do. Uh, Jeff Driscoll. We'll see if uh, they've got Bridgewater. <clears throat> they've got Drew Locke. They got Brett Rippon. And they got uh, Jeff Driscoll. We'll see uh, how the Broncos, how they shake that out um, eventually. But. Um, Anyway, that's it for Calissa's Mic Drop. It was a long edition. It was an interview-filled uh, edition with Patrick Sertan, George Payton, and uh, Vic Fangio. We hope you enjoyed it, everyone. And uh, we'll do this again uh, very shortly. Uh, thanks for tuning in. 
and uh, listen to Calissa's mic drop periodically during the offseason. The Broncos will uh, to report the Phase 2 of their offseason conditioning program on May 17th. So in two weeks, uh, though, a lot of these players will be back on the field doing some football drills. So I uh, hope to have something to report then. Thanks a lot, everybody. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you the next time on Calissa's mic drop.